there are uh, a lot of different ways uh, that we could introduce ourselves, right? A lot of different ways that I could introduce myself to other people. One of the ways that I could introduce myself to you is I could just tell you this, that I'm Jeremy Nelson, and I am a son of or child of Phil and Diane Nelson. How did I come to be their child? Well, I came to be their child by conception and birth. They're my biological parents. And I could ask you the question, whose child are you? To whom do you belong? And how did you become children of your parents? For some of you, you became children of your parents uh, by conception and birth. Others of you through adoption. But we become children of our parents by certain means. And whose children we are? If you knew my parents, you would know that, that whose, whose children we are says a lot about who we are, right? And so a question for you today would be this. Are we all children of God? How would you answer that question? Are we all children of God? One thing you might remember is that clearly from last week, and when we looked at John 1, 1 through 5, that said in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, the Word was with God in the beginning. And then it says that all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So clearly, we are all created by God. But are we all children of God? Because we're all created by God, does that make us all children of God? Or does children of God, is that something we need to become? Okay. So today we're going to be looking at John chapter 1, verses 6 through 18. And John is introducing us. This is the gospel according to John. This is the good news about Jesus from John's perspective as he's carried along by the Holy Spirit to write every one of these words. And he began his introduction, as we saw last week, by looking at a, just a big cosmic view of Jesus. The Jesus who is the eternal word, with God in the beginning, who actually was God ever since the beginning, and everything is made through him. He begins with that view, and now today he's going to zoom in a little bit more and talk about how this eternal word actually is God who became flesh. But there's going to be some things for us in here as well today in that John will begin to talk about how it is that we become children of God. Some of you here today, you could say, if I ask you that question, not just are we all children of God, but if I ask you individually, I could say to you, are you a child of God? And some of you would say with confidence, yes, I am a child of God. And you could tell me, here's why I have confidence that I am a child of God. You need to hear today's message because you need to be reminded of how it is that you became a child of God, that you would again stand in awe and thanksgiving for the God who made you his own. Some of you, you're just either not sure or you're pretty sure you're not a child of God. You need to hear the message today because in today's message, John is going to make clear to us how it is that someone who is not a child of God becomes a child of God. Okay, So the big idea today is this. Receive Jesus, the true light, the word who came to dwell with us. We're in John chapter 1, looking today at verses 6 
through 18. So if you have a Bible with you, turn there to John chapter 1. And if you're able to, would you please stand as we read John chapter 1, verses 6 through 18. Let's pray first. Father, thank you for your word. And thank you for your Holy Spirit who dwells inside each of us who are believers. And your Holy Spirit who is able to shine a light on your word and to shine a light on our hearts. We recognize that we do not live in line with your word in every way. And so we need to have our minds corrected by it. We need to have our hearts transformed by it. And we need to have our actions uh, transformed by it as well. And so, God, I pray that your spirit would be at work now as I read your word and then as I try to expound on it that we might see it more clearly. I can't do that with my words alone, but your spirit can do that. And I pray that you would now for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 6, this is God's word. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from him, full, for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. You can be seated. Looking forward to going through uh, this section. I'm looking forward to going through this whole gospel. Uh, And we're doing 6 to 18 today. Inside your bulletin, uh, sermon notes page, application guide. And you'll see that in verses 6 through 8, we're going to see, be introduced to a witness to the light. Okay? So John zooms in really, really quickly here in verses 6 to 8 because he's talking about the eternal word through whom all things were created. His life was the light of men, all of that stuff. And then he just like gets right down to it. So there's a guy sent from God whose name was John. Now, that we might not be confused here, you see this here. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. I don't want us to be confused because we're going over the gospel of John, right? John is not writing about himself here. There's another guy named John. Okay, so two Johns, the John who's writing this and the John that he's writing about. Later on, we'll come to, this guy will kind of be known as John the Baptist. That's the one he's writing about. The one who's doing the writing is John the Disciple. Okay, so two different Johns. A man sent from God whose name was John. Okay, he was born like everybody else. Um, 
but sent from God. He has a purpose, a, a unique purpose that not everybody born has. And here's this man's unique purpose. He came as a witness. Okay? A witness is not just one who sees something, but it's one who sees something and testifies about it. Okay? So you can imagine like a witness like in court. It's not just somebody who saw something and, and sits there silent about it. A witness is one who saw something and then would testify about the truth uh, of the thing or the person or the event that they witnessed. Okay? So John comes to be a witness, to tell the truth about something or someone. Okay? Well, he came as a witness. What does he come to do? To bear witness. That's what witnesses do. About what? About the light. Okay, so you might remember that even in the first five verses, this whole book of the Bible is just about Jesus. Have we seen the name of Jesus yet in the Gospel of John? Haven't seen it. In the first verse, he's referred to as the Word. And his life was the light of men. All this stuff we're hurting, we haven't seen the name Jesus yet. And now it tells us that there's a guy named John. We've heard one guy's name so far, and it's John, not Jesus yet. But he's saying John came to bear witness about the light. So now he's not talking about the word, he's talking about the light. They're the same, they're all Jesus, but he's not used the name Jesus yet. He's saying John came to bear witness about the light, purpose being that all might believe through him. He was not, just, just in case you didn't get it yet, John's not the light, okay? John himself is not the light. He came to bear witness about the light, but he's not the light. This is going to be emphasized over and over again in this first chapter, and I can't wait to get to more of it here uh, next week. But John's not the light. He knows who he is. He came to bear witness about the light. Okay? John is like, remember last week we did, we did the little illustra- illustration. Connor took the popcorn kernel, went and stood in the back. I had the basketball, and that was like the comparison of the size of the sun to the size of the earth. Sun's like the basketball uh, Earth is like the popcorn kernel. He was in the back. I was in the front. That's the approximate distance it would be if they were that size, right? And that's just one part of our solar system. That's one part of our galaxy. That's one part of many galaxies in the universe. All of that stuff. You remember that? And the sun is this this bright, hot star that gives off just the amount of just the right amount of light and the right amount of heat. If we like. Remember when there was the eclipse and stuff, they tell you not to look at the sun because we can't handle it. Our eyes would be blinded if we looked at the sun. Now here it tells us that John is not the light. John is not the sun. If we're using that analogy, John's like the moon. Because I walked out this morning, I I walked out, uh, still dark when I came here this morning. I walked out my door and I looked to the south and I saw super bright this morning, just a crescent of a moon in the southern sky. Maybe some of you saw that moon this morning as well. But the thing is, the moon is not a source of light. moon's a rock. And the moon just reflects light from the sun. It does it imperfectly and to a small degree. Even at its fullest, I think they say 12% of the sun's light gets reflected by the moon. Okay? So it's just a reflection of a much greater light. And that's kind of what it's saying here that John is. John came to bear witness about the light. John's not the light. He's just like the moon who says, hey, there's a light somewhere. Right? You, we see light from the moon because it's being reflected from the sun. Okay? 
So that's what John is like. He's just bearing witness about the light. He's saying, there's light somewhere. It's not me. I'm not the light, but I'm a reflection of the light. I want you to look at the light. So introduce to John a lot more about him the next couple of weeks. But now he's done talking about John for now. He's going to move to talking about Jesus. So let's go on. Verses 9 to 13. The true light has come so we can receive and become. Okay? The true light has come so we can receive and become. Turn to verses 9 to 13. First in 9 and 10, he's going to tell us about the true light. He begins by saying this. The true light, this is not John, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. So again, he still hasn't used the name Jesus. First, Jesus was referred to as the Word. Now he's referred to as the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Now, this is one of those things, if you stop and think about it, this should astound us. Those of you who have been in the church for a long time, you've heard the Word of God became flesh, Jesus, fully God, fully man, and we can lose our sense of awe of this. But if we stop and recognize the one through whom everything was created is coming into the world that he created. This tiny little popcorn kernel-sized planet uh, in a solar system amongst many solar systems and many galaxies throughout the universe. And this one, through whom everything was made, is now coming into the world. In fact, John says, he was in the world. At the time that John begins this John begins his public ministry, he begins testifying about the light, Jesus is already in the world. John the Baptist was born just a few months before Jesus. Okay? Um, and uh, and it, we'll hear more about that later as well. But Jesus was already in the world. But here's what it says. The world was made through him, reminding us of verse 3, remember. The world was made through him. But how do some people respond to the true light? He was in the world. The world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. This was certainly true of the first many years of Jesus' life. Certainly at the beginning, remember the shepherds came and the wise men came. But then after that, he's just an adopted son of a carpenter who was at once a a refugee in Egypt and now has gone to live in the little village of Nazareth, learning to be a carpenter from his father Joseph. Right, And so for most of Jesus' earthly life, he lives in pretty much obscurity. He made the world. Everything was made through him. Like he's making a table out of wood that he made. He's making a chair out of stones that he made. Everything made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. John is is likely here introducing a theme that we're going to see throughout the book of how God's people, the Old Testament Israel, the Jewish people, Jesus comes to them to live amongst them, his own people, yet even they did not receive him. The theme even all throughout the Old Testament, we'll see it again now in the New Testament. But then he says this, here's how we ought to respond to the true light. Verse 12. But to all who did receive him. So many people just fail to recognize Jesus for who he is. Here's who he is, and most people just don't even see it. But 
to all who did receive him, who believed in his name. Now, what is, before, before I get to the rest of that sentence, which is really, really good, we need to understand the beginning of it. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name. This is, this is John laying out a, a, a need for some kind of personal response. You don't become a child of God by just being born. By being born, by, by being human, you are made in the image of God. And you have immense value. But you are not born a child of God. You're born as someone made in the image of God. But then we're called to do something. To, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name. Okay? There, there's, a, there's a response in which somebody who's made in the image of God, made by and through Jesus, receives him and believes in his name. Those terms are, are personal in nature. They're not just like an intellectual assent to something, just saying, yeah, I guess that's true. But they're a, a receiving, is a personal kind of thing. And a believing in his name is not just, oh, I believe that there was a guy named Jesus. But when it says believing in his name, his name is like the, full, the fullness of who he is. So I believe what he says. I submit myself to him. I receive and I, I put myself under him. And that's what's required in order to receive the right to become children of God. Okay? So how does one become a child of God? By receiving Jesus, believing in his name. And then he reminds us, it, it's not, you're born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, but of God. There's something that has to happen in which you're not just born into this, you're born of God, a, a new kind of birth. In John chapter 3, he'll talk about being born again, right? So born of God, he's introducing that theme here. Born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So we don't become a child of God simply by being born to a human. We become a child of God by being born of God. And that comes as we receive him and believe in his name. So application of this would be this. Some of you, as I mentioned before, have received Jesus. You have trusted him. You believe in his name. Everything that he says about himself, you believe to be true. You've submitted yourself to his lordship. You received him as Lord and Savior, and you have been adopted as a child of God. And so for you, you need to just give God thanks. Because you're born of it. Like, your, your mom didn't do this for you. Your pastor didn't do this for you. That guy at the camp that you were at didn't do it for you. You didn't do it for yourself by like earning enough gold stars in Sunday school to earn this for you. You are born of God as a gift of God. He gave you the right to become a child of God. And all you did was simply believe in or receive Jesus. Your adoption was costly. I don't want it to sound cheap. Adoption, anybody who's, who's done an adoption knows or looked into it knows that adoption is costly. But what does adoption cost the children? Nothing. The, the cost for the adoption is paid by the one doing the adopting. And God has paid the price for us to be adopted as his own by sending his son. 
making a payment in his own blood. So, some of you, the application of this is very simple. Today could be the day in which you become a child of God. Because you walked in here either pretty sure you weren't or just not sure whether you were or not. And I hope that you can walk out of here today with assurance that you can be adopted into his family, adopted as a child of God. And this comes through faith. This comes through receiving Jesus, believing in him. And so you're not saved through doing some particular act. You're not saved through praying exactly the right words. But you're saved by receiving Jesus. And you probably would express it to him in prayer, right? And so there's not a, like this formula, like I prayed this prayer and then uh, God gives me the right. But we do express to God in prayer, I am receiving Jesus. I believe in his name. And so if, if, that, like, if, if that's where you're at, you're like, well, I, I, I believe what you're saying about Jesus, that he's the one through whom everything was created. That song that we sang before, that my life and my eternal life is dependent on his life, death, and resurrection, you believe that to be true? Then you could express it to him in a prayer that would sound like this. I'm just going to like kind of give you an example. So you're like, well, I'm not sure what words to say. It's not about the words, but, but you would express things like this. Like, Father, I recognize that I'm not God and that you are. And that Jesus is, is not just a good religious teacher, not just somebody I'm supposed to try to be like, but he is the God through whom everything was made. And I realize that I've been acting in my life like I have everything under control, like I'm the king or something, but I'm not. And I have in so many ways offended you. I've sinned against you. And I'm sorry for my sin, and I know that it needs to be paid for. And now I've heard this good news that Jesus came to, to die for my sin, that I could be forgiven, and that I could be adopted. And it comes at a great cost to you, but it comes in my life by just receiving Jesus and believing in his name. And so I do that today. I receive Jesus. I want him to, to be Lord over my life. I, I recognize him as Lord. I submit to him as Lord. And I know that I need a Savior. And I can't save myself, but I know Jesus can save me. And so I give myself to him as his, even as you accept me today as your own and give me the right to become a child of God. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to be a way in which you would express this receiving Jesus and believing in his name. And when, and when you do that, when you put your faith in Jesus, you become a child of God. And, and, and if, that's like, if that's like a step, that like, okay, so I've, I'm hearing this, I'm understanding this, I've put my faith in Jesus, like that shouldn't be secret. Like we don't have secret family members. Right? Let somebody know that. If you've been adopted in, you are now brother, sister in Christ with all of us who trust him. Let us know that. We want to know that you, by God's grace, have been saved through faith in Jesus by receiving him. So there's some application of that. And let's look at these last verses, 14 to 18. We actually looked at this a few weeks ago when we were finishing up the book of Exodus. 
Okay? And, and so we're not going to look at it in as much detail this morning because we did look at it then, but I do want to not skip over this because this is glorious. Here's what it says in verses 14 to 18. It begins this way, And the Word, remember that's Jesus from verse 1, the Word through whom everything was made, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Remember we turned to this verse right before Christmas, because we were in Exodus chapter 40 by then. And, and how had we seen the glory of God in the book of Exodus? Do you remember? We saw the glory of God descend on a mountain. It would make the mountain tremble. And then we saw the glory of God in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And the glory of God came and filled this mobile tent that they had to make to exact specifications. And God came to do what? To dwell with his people in all of his glory in a pillar of cloud, a pillar of fire, and in a tabernacle. And we said, that's great news because the people of God needed God to dwell with them. But there was something much better coming. And here's where it is. That the glory of God, the person of God, comes to dwell with his people, not in a pillar of cloud, not in a pillar of fire, not in a tabernacle that gets moved around, but in a person. Jesus, the eternal word of God, through whom everything was made, comes and takes on human flesh. Jesus is fully God and fully man. And he comes to dwell among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then there's a quick kind of parenthetical statement. John again bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. John was born before Jesus. He's like, but Jesus was before me, and he ranks before me. I'm nothing compared to him. You want to see the glory of God, you need to look at Jesus. Verse 16, for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace, or grace on top of grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. We talked about, as we went through the book of Exodus, you remember, when God gave his people the law, that was God expressing, here's who I am, and here's how you are to live in relationship to me. And so the law was a gift of God's grace to people, that they might know who he was and what he expected from them. The law came through Moses, and it was a good gift. But in Jesus, we have God's grace and truth in a much more full form. It's like grace already in the law and grace upon grace in Christ, right? Grace upon grace, and then verse 18. This passage that we're going to look at today at least ends this way. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Okay, your translation might have different wording. This one's a little bit confusing. It's trying to be uh, faithful to the original text, and sometimes it's hard to understand exactly what they're getting at. So some translations try to kind of smooth it over a little bit with things. This is, this is just a tough verse to understand, but the big idea is this, that, that we haven't been able to see God with our eyes. But the one who is at the Father's side, Jesus, has made him known. If you want to know God, you've got to know Jesus. People who say, I believe in God, but they have a faulty view of Jesus, that he's just a religious teacher of some sort, they don't really know God. 
because you cannot really know God without knowing Jesus, right? People that say we all worship the same God, we just come at it. No, we don't. The one God who is worthy of worship, the one God who's revealed in the Bible is one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You cannot know God without knowing Jesus. And so last week I quoted, I think, the first little bit of Hebrews chapter 1. I want to go a little bit further where it says this. Long ago and many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. It's talking about Jesus when it says this. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And again, this this big, big picture of Jesus. He is the image of God, the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprints of his nature. The whole universe is being upheld by the word of his power. This is the Jesus that we worship. And this is the Jesus who became flesh and dwelt among us who would die in our place for our sins, that we who receive him and who believe in his name might become children of God. And so already, as we've gone through just the first verses of John chapter 1, here's the things we've learned about Jesus. Jesus is the eternal word who was with God in the beginning. Jesus was both with God and is God. All things were made through him. He is the true light. He came into the world. He took on flesh. He brings grace and truth. In him, we can know God and see God's glory. And the good news is, we're not even halfway through chapter 1 yet. And so, as we spend the next weeks walking through the Gospel of John, sometimes we'll pick up the pace and go through a bigger section But we're going to be overwhelmed, I hope, by hearing the truth about Jesus. Because we're like everybody else. It's easy to drift off and start believing things that are untrue. And we live around a bunch of people that believe things about Jesus that are just not true. And we need to get more and more grounded all the time in knowing the truth about Jesus that we might proclaim the truth about Jesus to other people. And so how do you respond to Jesus? Do you receive him and believe in his name? And if you do, and if you have even just today, please tell somebody. But then would you stand and rejoice with us in just a moment as we sing a song, I stand amazed. Like As I just contemplate, again, who God is and who I am, I'm a sinner, condemned, unclean. I don't know what else to do. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I should do this or that. I'm not sure about that. But here's what I know I should do. As somebody who has been adopted as a child of God when I had rebelled against him, I know at least one thing I ought to do. Like it's not a hard decision to make. And that is that I ought to be one who stands amazed in the presence of Jesus and sing how marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. And so if that's you invite you to stand with us here after I pray. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that we can call you Father. 
It's not because we have done something to earn the right to become your children. It's because you have caused us to be born again by your grace through our faith alone in Christ alone. God, I thank you for the number of people here gathered this morning that you have saved and maybe even one or two this morning. Yet, God, we recognize there are many outside of this building um, who desperately need to hear the good news about Jesus. And they're not showing up here. And they're not showing up at other churches that are proclaiming this same message. And so, God, would you help us to recognize the great responsibility and opportunity we have as your children to be ambassadors and to tell people the good news of the fact that we have a Savior and Lord, and they too can become a child of God through faith in Him. God, help us to be more and more amazed all the time by that good news that we might be motivated to sing and to share that news with others. In Jesus' name, amen.